Hey folks, the situation unfolding in Portland, Oregon continues to shock the nation. Videos of unidentified federal officers detaining protesters have gone viral on social media, raising questions about what is even going on. And the race is on for President Trump's tax returns. Following the Supreme Court's decision to allow the Manhattan District Attorney to subpoena the president's financial records, Trump's lawyers are attempting to stall the process as prosecutors try to speed it up. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court has struck another blow to voting rights, temporarily leaving in place a lower court order that will prevent people with felony convictions in Florida from voting in November. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, including the newly launched United Security podcast with Lisa Monaco and Ken Weinstein, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid.edu email qualify for a special discount. Head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a special rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. So a lot of issues to talk about, Anne, and you know, we, we've gotten a lot of questions about what's going on in Oregon. Uh, as I tweeted, what the hell is going on in, in Portland, Oregon? This is a broad question that I think we can spend some time answering. It comes from June Cooley, who asks, Dear Preet and Anne, can you please break down what is happening in Portland, Oregon regarding the legal rights of our police force versus the Trump force? Uh, thank you. I love your show and stay well, June Cooley. Well, thanks for that question. So we, we should we should set forth what the basics are. And we're talking about federal action with respect to protesters and other people who are suspected of doing things like defacing buildings or harming property. So should we go through what we know so far? What exactly is going on? And then we can discuss the legality of it. Yeah. So let's let's even step back to the protests after the murder of George Floyd. There have been a series of protests in Portland. There are a number of folks who have taken to the streets and they've mostly been peaceful protests, but there have been, you know, as, as, is, as is sometimes the case, there have been some people who uh, did damage to property, who were engaged in behavior that, you know, we generally don't want to see as part of the protest. And so what happened then is that, you know, and the mayor and the governor and the police have all been working to basically keep the protests calm and to try to have as little destruction or violence as possible. And this has been going on for, again, like 50 days. So last Thursday, the Department of Homeland Security sent the estimate is about at least 100 federal officers to Portland. Now, it's important to note they weren't invited in. They were not asked to come in. They were not authorized specifically to come in. They came in, and we'll talk about the legality of what they can and cannot do when they come into a jurisdiction like that. But the bottom line is they came in, and they were out on the streets. It's been reported that they used tear gas on the protesters. They were in camouflage, essentially military uniforms. They did not have either name badges, as if you think about it, most police departments, you'll see a police officer with their last name and their badge number, and they'll also be wearing a uniform from the police department. And basically, they're easily identifiable. You know who they work for. You know they're wielding the power of the state, and you know what their name is. And that gives you some accountability over the actions of of those officers, both for good and bad. You want to make a compliment. You know it was Officer Smith. You want to say Officer Smith hit someone he shouldn't have. You're you're able to have that information. Yeah. And just to pause, and in many and in many police departments, they have to wear a body cam too. 
So additional accountability. Exactly. Right. That's right. And so here in Portland, they sent these folks out on the streets. They did not have any identifying information. They were wearing camouflage, essentially army fatigues, they look like. And they were members. We now understand a number of folks were members, at least of the Customs Border Patrol. Those are the federal agents that usually patrol the borders. Um, We should remind folks that you know, technically they're sort of, they're able to to work throughout the United States, but they have particularly large jurisdiction when it comes to being within a hundred miles of a border. Um, Portland is within a hundred miles of a border. The Pacific and Atlantic Oceans, of course, count as borders. And about two thirds of the United States of America, the population is within, within that sort of range where the Customs Border Patrol would have additional powers than they usually have. And so there were people grabbed off the street. There were people who were taken, who reported being taken to the federal courthouse. They were not placed under arrest. They were later released. But there was also a protester who was badly injured when he was shot at close range with like not an actual weapon, like sort of a less lethal form of a force. I don't remember the exact name, but a type of weapon that basically is used for crowd control often. It's also been reported that there's no training, that these folks have absolutely no training in how to handle a riot or crowd control. And so what happens at the end of this is that there's just a huge outcry from the mayor, the governor, the U.S. Attor- local U.S. attorney calls for an investigation. And basically, people are saying, why are there federal officers on our street just putting people and, and they're putting people in unmarked vans? It's also important to know. So it feels like a secret police force. It feels very much out of the normal chains of the rule of law um, that you and I are used to. And so when you say what the hell is going on, that's how I feel, too. So my, I, have, I have a number of reactions, one of which is what I don't really understand is in case after case and time after time, the administration takes some action that is either legitimately controversial or illegitimately controversial, but natural questions arise. And legitimate folks are asking, both on the right and the left, um, although there's some hypocrisy, I think, on the part of folks who have styled themselves libertarians and are keeping their mouth shut over this because it's being done by Donald Trump. And when questions are asked, usually people in a position of power and authority, particularly law enforcement authorities, understand that they have an obligation and a duty and a responsibility to explain themselves. And then there can be a debate and there can be oversight if that's appropriate and people can be persuaded or not persuaded. And the weird thing about this is, given the legitimate controversy, and there are arguments I guess you could make on on one side or the other, but there's almost no comprehensive explanation of authority and reasoning for the public policy that they're engaging in by this administration. It's kind of it's kind of amazing to me. You, you see all these people on Twitter and social media and on television and in their blogs try to figure out and guess what the legal authority is and what the statute is and the reasons why they're trying to do things. But there's almost no explanation in any thorough way from the Department of Homeland Security. You get the, the acting chief, Chad Wolf, goes on TV and says things like, we don't need to be invited. We can do what we want. Well, why don't you explain yourselves? It reminds me a little bit of what I still don't think there's a satisfactory explanation of. Why it is that Michael Cohen, when he refused initially to agree not to write or publish a book, was taken back to prison when he was supposed to be essentially furloughed to his home. I I just don't understand why again and again they foment further controversy by not explaining themselves. Do you you have, do you you know why? Is it because there is no explanation? Is it because of arrogance on the part of the head of DHS and the president and and, and Barr? I mean, it's not that hard to say. They must have some reason that they believe, whether it's a good reason or a bad reason, that they can do X, Y, or Z. 
Why not share it? Right. Yeah. They refuse to show their math repeatedly. They just, and and part of it is that once, I I think it's political largely. I mean, I'll sort of answer this piece of it. What I think is it's political and that once you sort of engage in the debate, you know, they see that as losing, right? You're ceding grounds of even justifying the sort of opposing view in some ways. And they're assuming that they have this authority. I mean, it also goes beyond what you've even said, Preet, to the point where, and we should talk about Chad Wolf for a minute. He's he's acting like so many other folks who are who are the head of federal departments. He was essentially a lobbyist for eleven years. He talks about law enforcement like he's actually worked a day as a law enforcement official. He has not, and I think it's really important to like watch what he's doing on Fox News, where he's out there basically saying there's lawlessness in Portland and it has to be controlled. And he's using language. I mean, he basically said. Uh, one of his recent tweets, and this is reported by Barb McQuaid in, in New York Magazine. She did a great piece on what's lawful and what's not lawful. But one of uh, Chad Wolf's recent tweets states, quote, we will never surrender to violent extremists on my watch. That language itself is offensive, right? It is basically talking about American citizens as akin to terrorists abroad, right? And so to me, like they have cloaked themselves in this idea that we are the rule of law. We don't have to answer questions. We're going to enforce the rule of law as we see fit. And they are completely missing the fact that the rule of law and the ability to enforce laws comes from the power of the people. Um, And it comes from legislation. It comes from the United States Constitution. And they do have to explain what they're doing. You can't just show up on city streets. And I mean, furthermore, I personally, and I wanted to get your vibe on this. I mean, this feels to me, we watched DC a month ago, where or six weeks ago now, I've, I've lost all track of time, where the president of the United States with Bill Barr, with one of the military secretaries, basically goes out and has the protesters cleared by federal agents, again, not identifying themselves, basically has that area cleared so he can walk to the church 10 feet away and do a photo op. Remember, um, A.G. Barr didn't order it. He just ordered that it be done. What was the, what was the distinction he had? He had some distinction. Yeah, but isn't it the same? Like, this is a move, and we've now seen reports that the feds are going to go to Chicago, and we've heard the president saying, Detroit, Oakland, all these cities are a mess, and I'm going to take control of them. And so I personally think, like, the one thing I would say today is that now is the time for people across the United States to be worried about this, because you may think it's not going to happen in your backyard, but it is. Like, this is part, to me, of a larger campaign by the president. Um, and it should be frightening to everyone who cares about the rule of law and accountability of law enforcement. Yeah. And as I said at the outset, there's a lot of confusion about what exactly is going on. We've described it a little bit, but, I, you know, I tried to do some research crowdsourcing on Twitter last night, and I don't know and I don't see it published anywhere or reflected anywhere, how many people have been taken into custody by these federal officers, how many people have been charged, if any, if there are state prosecutions, if there are referrals to uh, federal prosecutors. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's one. I don't, there's some anecdotal evidence of people who were taken into custody and then, I guess, questioned and then released. Uh, and they've you know made some statements about their experience. But we have no idea what the number... So in addition to not explaining why you're going about doing things in a particular way, we also don't have any accounting that I'm aware of, of what the scope of the issue is and how many people are taken in. Right. And you're asking a really important question. I think we would know. Yes. If they were charged, I think we would know. If they were charged, because you have to go to court within a certain amount of time, uh, usually within 48 hours in some places, depending on, on how the local prosecutor's offices work, 24 hours. Under the Constitution, you have a right to be presented to a judge, understand what the charges are. I'm not seeing a lot of evidence of charges, which I guess is is a good thing, but also suggests that this is just sort of an intimidation and scare tactic where they drive around 
pick people up, question them, and then release them because they have no choice. I, I don't know what that's about either. Right. I mean, that sends a, to a huge message to me along the, the lines of the questions of legitimacy, right? I mean, if you make a state, if you make an arrest based on a state crime, that would go, and we should go back and talk about the legality of, of this in a second, because it's hard It's hard to talk about it and not sort of combine the lawful, the legal arguments. But if you get arrested on a state crime, it goes to the state prosecutor. That would be the local DA in Portland. The DA would decide within, as you say, a certain pretty short amount of time, whether or not to file charges. If it's a federal crime, it goes to the federal U.S. attorney, who, as we know, has been reported to have called for an investigation into what the CBP, the Custom Border Patrol officers, were doing. So it doesn't look like he's announced any arrest or has made an arrest. And we would know if somebody was charged and went to court for an arraignment, for example. And so I tend to think nobody's being charged, that they're just using it exactly, as you say, as a way to intimidate and scare people on the streets. One question I have for you, just to step back a little bit to the D.C. piece, one of the things that was interesting in D.C. is remember that the military folks came out after and said, we shouldn't have been there, right? Like, we shouldn't be a part of this. And what's interesting to me here is that this isn't the National Guard. This isn't the U.S. military. This isn't the FBI. This is the Department of Homeland Security, which is the third largest federal agency, arguably the most politically, I mean, I think we could argue this on DOJ as well, but like very much politically controlled by the president. And to me, it's just a really interesting question of like, why is this, if you and I were thinking of sending federal agents to a city um, for some reason, CBP would not be the group of agents you and I would generally be thinking about, right? And so, you know, what, what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. The whole thing is bizarre. We've been talking about how these federal officers were not invited in by the local authorities. They're not coordinating with the local authorities. The local authorities are instead, you know, bringing lawsuits and telling them to go away. That's one thing, and it's disturbing. But not only that, these federal officers are not coordinating with the local U.S. Attorney's Office. And I've never heard of such a thing, right? The FBI and the Secret Service and DEA and other agencies, they work in coordination with and collaboration with the U.S. Attorney's Office. And you see here, the U.S. Attorney's Office itself is calling for an investigation, is wondering what's going on. So, you know, this operation is more rogue than you would even typically think of it if you read the reports. On the question of why they're not wearing badges with names, etc., I get that point. We should, you know, note for folks that you and I, as you and I discussed, that as a general matter, you know, FBI agents, Secret Service agents who are not on active protection, and even those who are, they're in plain clothes. They're not wearing, you know, they have badges on them, but they're not on display. They don't wear body cams and that's sort of normal. So there's an argument to be made that there's no actual legal requirement to publicly display name and affiliation on the part of federal agents. On the other hand, as I asked in a different tweet yesterday, the question of whether or not there should be an agency identification and even name identification and authority for, for arrest at the time you take someone into custody is a totally different thing. You know, if you're if you're sitting around doing surveillance as a federal agent, you know you don't advertise yourself. You you sit in an unmarked car, and you don't wear a uniform. And people understand that this is not that. And I I have not heard a single answer to the question: What is the policy basis or reasonable basis not to advise a citizen you're arresting where you're from and what your basis for arrest is? Yeah. So I would take issue a little bit. So there are a couple of pieces. First is like. We have to remember that as a rule, federal law enforcement is very different from state law enforcement. The people who are on the street generally interacting, dealing with the public are state and local officers. They wear badges. They wear uniforms. We require often as a matter of law that they be or or city ordinance that they be identifiable and that they be named so that, again, for the reason of accountability, when it comes to federal... 
I hope you've enjoyed this sample of a Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.